If you find Unfound Informative, please support this podcast at Patreon, YouTube, or PayPal. Donald Ray Atkins II, Donnie to those who loved him most, was a 35-year-old from West Monroe, Louisiana. He had recently gotten out of prison, but seemed to finally be on the right track. In the late morning of September 2nd, 2018, Donnie allegedly got dressed in nice clothes and walked out of a friend's home where Donnie had stayed the night before. He was never seen again. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound. Recently, in the Facebook discussion group, I was asked the following question. How can these people who obviously caused these disappearances just walk around like nothing happened? How do they live with themselves? The question is easy for me to answer, especially since I am a cynic regarding human nature to the point of being a misanthrope. The answer... These people have no consciences. Moreover, I really do believe these people feel justified in what they did. And these people do not believe they should have to pay for something that they feel was moral, despite it being illegal. Yet none of us should be too quick to want these people prosecuted. We have examples from Unfound's own catalog where taking things to court doesn't exactly necessarily resolve anything. Remember Angie Yarnell. Her husband spent four years in jail for causing her disappearance, yet she is still missing, and he can never be tried again. And very recently, due to what I would call a rushed prosecution, Michael Turney was acquitted of all charges in Alyssa Turney's disappearance. He also will never have to answer for what he might have done to her. Well, with the disappearance of Donnie Atkins, a group was charged with his disappearance in 2020. Then everything was dropped a few months later. What should we make of these trials and tribulations? And now a summary of the case. This is brought to you by my friend Megan Lyonez's website, charlieproject.org. Maybe Donnie Atkins's childhood years should have been an indication of what was to come. He was raised in an undisciplined house, yet Donnie still managed to do well in school. Donnie got along well with women despite having a mother who was an alcoholic. Yes, he had an older sister who looked out for him, but she had her own life to lead. This all eventually caught up with Donnie. Multiple DUIs, even one in which he lost his spleen in a wreck. Lots of time in prison. No career, no money. Yet in the months leading up to his disappearance, Donnie had gotten his first good job and he seemed to be doing very well at it. So, 
The weekend, starting with Friday, August 31st, 2015, Donnie had wanted to go to his sister Carmen's to hang out. However, Carmen had a party planned for a bunch of children, so she thought it best that Donnie come over some other time. Seemingly, Donnie went instead to his friend Rob's. There, according to what Rob said later, Donnie stayed until late Sunday morning, September 2nd. At that point, Donnie, dressed in quote-unquote nice clothes, walked out of Rob's house. Rob had no idea where Donnie was going. He was never seen again. Not until September 9th, a week later, did anyone, including Rob, notice that Donnie was missing. Months later, due to a called-in tip, multiple people were charged with Donnie's disappearance. However, everything was eventually dropped. There is the saying, better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. Whereas I don't think that can be said about trials involving disappearances. It very well may be better to never go into a courtroom until that missing person is found deceased? Or do you think prosecutors should take more chances? Contemplate that as you also try to answer these three specific questions about Donnie's disappearance. Number one, can Rob be ruled out as a suspect given that more than $100 was found in Donnie's possessions left at Rob's house? Number two, Should the main concern in this disappearance be Donnie's deteriorating state of mind, as shown by the texts between him and a girlfriend in the early morning hours of September 2nd? And number three, what are we to make of someone continuing to check Donnie's voicemail weeks after his disappearance? Donnie's family believes the prosecution was on the right track when it came to the conclusion that Donnie had been murdered. The guest for this episode is Donnie's sister, Carmen Spillers. Unfound News Christopher Miller, the subject of an Unfound Now episode, was found deceased this past week. If you'll remember, he ran off after getting pulled over by police in Wisconsin. His remains were found in an abandoned house five miles away from his last sighted location. Next, here's the upcoming schedule for Unfound. Next Friday, August 25th, update episode number 15. There's a lot to cover. September 1st, the 7th anniversary episode. Then we will get back to newly featured disappearances on September 8th. Finally, I will be recording a very special episode of Unfound within the next couple of weeks. This will be meant for Patreon and YouTube supporters. What will be the topic? I will discuss all of Unfound's disappearances which have been somewhat resolved. I've never done this before. I'm so happy to have on this episode of Unfound, the sister of Donnie Atkins, Carmen Spillers. Carmen, welcome to Unfound. Hi, Ed. Glad to be here. 
And good to have you. Um, and uh, um, the listeners probably know uh, we're covering another disappearance from Louisiana. I'm going to say that Louisiana is probably easy in the easily in the top ten of states where we've covered disappearances. So we're visiting Louisiana, of course. Unfortunately, again, Carmen, uh, thank you for joining me. And everybody needs to know we're doing this interview on August fourth of twenty twenty three. Let's start here as we usually do uh, when I have family members on. Just tell the listeners a little bit about uh, your family. Of course, you are Donnie's sister. What was it like growing up with him? Maybe you want to talk about other siblings. Talk about the Atkins slash Spillers family growing up. Sure. Um, it was just me and my brother. I'm the oldest sibling. He was my baby brother. There's um, almost five years between us. Mm. So he was like, he was my baby. Ah. Um, I took care of him a lot. Um, my mom was a single mom at some points of us growing up. So um, there was, you know, I took on a lot of the responsibilities of taking care of him. Um, so we had a really close bond. Um, he kind of looked at me as like a mom figure as well, even growing up. Um, so we just did, you know, it was, mm-hmm. it was a good relationship. Okay. Uh, would you say that, you know, just looking at your personality, her, uh, his personality, um, you two very different, two very similar. Were you like maybe more like one of your parents than he was? How would you explain all that? Oh, I would say we were definitely polar opposites. Oh, okay. I was, yeah, I was the strong one. He was the baby in all sense that he could do no wrong. Oh, my. So within the sibling world, that kind of leads a bit of resentment. And then, you know, of course, as you get older, you don't want your little brother tagging along with you. So there was that. Um, He was just, he had a really big heart. would do anything for anybody. Um, And I was just, I took the role as the protector of Mm -hmm. not only him, but my mom as well. Yeah. Okay. You know, um... As the listeners know, I was raised an only child. I ended up having uh, two biological brothers and a biological sister. But five years, it's, you know, the way I look at it, it's kind of close. You know, you're kind of close in age. You know, if you're 10, he's 5. You know, you're 15, he's 10. But, like, school-wise, you know, you'd be, like, going out. You know, schools are usually divided up into, like, years of five. So I guess you never maybe were in the same school building together, even though otherwise... You were too kind of close in age. Right. No, we were never um, in school together. Mm. Uh, By the time he would start, you know, I had already started school. He was at home. And then when he would hit elementary, I was already in the junior high phase. Same thing with high school. Yeah. Okay. Um, Would you, uh, close to your parents, both of you very close to your parents growing up, uh, what what would you say about Uh, that? Our mom, for sure, she was the constant in our lives. Um, my brother and I both share uh, different fathers. Oh, okay. Um, until, yeah, until um, my mom married. We were, I think I was nine and Donnie was four, maybe five, um, Sam. And he became the constant father figure in our lives mm. um, until our parents divorced, like 15 oh. years after the fact. But he still remained um, 
our dad for both mm. of us. Um, okay. When they divorced, I went with mom. I mean, Don went with mom and I went with dad. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, we didn't ever consider him a stepdad because he was the constant father figure. Okay. How was, how did, I mean, obviously that split up could not have gone well for both of you. You didn't feel probably too good about that. One happened to go with one, one happened to go with the other. It was, uh, it was our choice. Oh, okay. Um, and that was where some of the differences came in for me and Don. Um, my mom, our mom was um, a functioning alcoholic. Mm. Um, she always, she always worked, um, but she was an alcoholic. Um, I didn't, we didn't learn that term until we were way older, functioning yeah. alcoholic. Because um, when you're raised with something, it's just, that's your norm. Um, but that ultimately is what was the demise of any relationship that she had in that included one with my dad. Um, but she had a lot of demons in her life that she was battling, which I later learned also spilled off onto my brother because he became an alcoholic. Um, so he was 12, 13 when my mom and dad divorced. And um, he chose mom because of the freedom. He could do whatever he wanted um, without any consequences. Dad was more of the um, the punisher. Uh, I didn't like that lifestyle with my mom, so I chose the more stable one. Yeah. And that just kind of escalated things for my brother, being young, being able to come and go as he pleases. Um, get in with friends and yeah. I guess the bad groups um, mom was busy doing her thing with just working and her extracurricular activity was drinking so right it's one of those things as kids uh, want the parent that's lack maybe on the discipline and that's maybe decent in the short run but in the long run often that doesn't work out too well no, it doesn't. Kids need discipline, structure, mm. and uh, when you're a kid, you think you don't need those things. Yes, but right. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's, that's mm. not the case, and so that, yeah, that yeah. started our divide from there, but... Okay, when did that happen? Um, How old were you two? Um, I want to say, I think Don was, oh gosh, I want to say around anywhere 11, 12, and um, I was probably 15, 14, 15, 16, somewhere, uh, okay. somewhere in there. Okay. This seems like a lifetime ago. Ah. Okay. All right. Thank you. All right. Let's move on to, okay, thank you for all of that. Let's move on to Donnie himself. Uh, you said that you two were uh, polar opposites. Do you mean like personality and interests and all of those things? Or how do you mean? Yes, personalities, interests. Um I was, um, I guess just because I took on the role as when I was a child as the protector for my mom and my brother, um, I was what people say, um, wise beyond my years for being so young. Um, I just always, you know, taking care of my mom, you know, through, you know, the drinking, making sure my brother was fed and clothed and ready for school, all that kind of stuff. So where I took on responsibilities 
really young, he was able to be more of a kid. And yeah. so I think that's where I see the differences yeah. from. He just um, lived carefree, and I lived a very worried childhood. Okay, gotcha. And once you got split up like this, uh, him going with your mother, you going with your father. Uh, how often did you uh, see each other? Did you two talk very much? How was it? Oh, yeah. So we lived in the same town. Um, and we were just like a few houses from each other. So it wasn't that I didn't ever see them. And like I said, I they always relied on me. They as in my mom and my brother. So... Mm. Anything, anytime anything went wrong, they called me and um, I was there to the rescue or felt I needed to be. Was, that yeah. was my role, okay. just to protect them both and, and be the fixer. Okay, thank you. Okay. So uh, regarding Donnie, what were, what were his interests? He's living with your mother by himself, getting into his teen years. Was he into sports? Was he into cars? Uh, what, what music? You know, do you have any kind of interests like that? Yeah, all of the above. Um, he played football in high school. Uh, he was on the local BMX team. Um, he did the BMX bikes. Uh, he started when he was like eight. Wow. He really loved that. Um, he loved small engine repair. Huh. Um, of course, when he got a little older into cars, he enjoyed the, the bigger engines. Mm -hmm. um, and he loved all that. He's okay. super smart. The kid was super smart. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, he was just, he was a natural at it. Was he? Okay. Yeah, he uh, was. All right. And what about uh, school? How did he do in school? Did he graduate high school? What can you say about that? He did. He graduated high school. That goes back to him just being smart. He was just one of those people who didn't need to study. He didn't need to show up for class. He could just read the text, walk in for the test, and ace oh, it. Um, he was a 4.0 student with little to no effort. Wow. That's saying you got to, and given that how you set this all up, Carmen, that's certainly an accomplishment giving, you know, the, I guess the kind of the home life that was going on with his mother. And like you said, the lack of discipline and everything. That's certainly an accomplishment. Yeah. And not to take anything away from our mom. She was a really great mom. Um, she didn't lack in love by mm. any means. She just, mm -hmm. she was a young mom. She had me when she was 16. Um, so she didn't know how to be a mom, how to nurture when she was still a kid. And I only know that now because, you know, me coming up through my kids and understanding her, um, I did have a lot of resentment for her and Johnny did too. Um, I was able to heal mine because I was older and I had kids, so I feel better able to understand that. He still struggled with it. Um, because I don't, some things you just don't know unless you experience them yourself. As being a parent, I was able to understand her struggles. I mean, she, she was young and it was not ready to be responsible for another human. Um, and then the same thing when she had my brother, she was 20. So she just wasn't quite ready. Um, mm -hmm. But she did the best that she could. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. 
So um, Donnie is in school. What about uh, relationships? Of course, in a little bit, we're going to be talking about Christy, but um, of course, we have to remember that he was into his 30s before he went missing. So right. uh, what about uh, girlfriends in high school, uh, women in his 20s? What can you say about uh, his interest there, relationships? Oh, yeah. He, he was smooth. He was <laughs> a ladies' man. Um, okay. <laughs> he was. He was a, a very good-looking guy. Um, he respected women. He opened doors, you know, pulled out chairs. Um, he was an absolute gentleman That's because he had a big heart. Um, mm -hmm. He wouldn't hurt a fly. He just, that was just his character. He just was a kind, loving soul, mm -hmm. and he was a big guy. Um so girls just flogged to him and he mm -hmm. had no shortage of girlfriends. Um, uh-huh. Okay. Then uh, was he uh, ever married and did he have any children? He was never married. He never had any children. Okay. So he was playing the field all this all that time. Yeah. All right. Yeah, he was always searching for someone. Uh, it just never worked out with uh -huh. anybody. Um, he had a lifelong friend uh, where they always, always thought that they would end up together, but it was just circumstancing and timing. They just never did. Okay. All right. Very good. How about work? Well, did he go had to take uh, any higher education classes after high school, or did he go right into the workforce? What did he do there? Of course, we're going to talk about how oh, he did some jail time and some things, but... What about uh, earning money? He did. He had um, several jobs. Uh, he did go to college. He actually, um, on his academic merit, had a, was able to get a four-year scholarship. He went to a Texas university. And that goes back to when I was saying how smart he was. Um, he, I mean, he, I don't know if, you know, alcoholism really is, in the genes or not. Uh, some people say yes, some people say no, but he was an alcoholic. Um, he had demons in him. I don't really know what they were. I did Later we learned that his biological side of his family does have mental health issues. Um, we never really under, knew the severity of it until, of course, um, after my brother's disappearance and oh. connecting with that family, getting to know more about that. But that may have helped him in his younger years and even in his 20s, 30s, if he better understood right. his own struggles, you know, but sure. it's hindsight. Um, but he, so he self-medicated with alcohol, um, but he did, I, like I said, when he was super smart and didn't have to try, I mean, he aced it. Um, he ended up losing his scholarship going into his sophomore year because of DWIs and going to jail. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, he took his final exams um, in jail and aged them. Oh, oh my. Um, but he ended up doing time where he couldn't maintain okay. school. And what about, uh, so he, he dropped out, What then what did he do for money? What did he do for work, like in his 20s? What was he doing? Um, he had several jobs. But within that time, too, he was also, um, I don't remember exactly the time framing, but he was in jail, 
several times for DUIs. Um, and I know, well, and not just that, he also went to several rehabilitation clinics. Um, he was clean for four years. Um, he was in a, a program called Teen Challenge that worked really great for him. Um, but once he got out on his own, it's like stresses was something he couldn't handle. Um, he didn't have the tools to handle them. Um, okay. Like someone that didn't have a, a dependency on something. As soon mm -hmm. as things got stressful, he, he did turn to alcohol. And then it all just kind of went downhill from there. I guess what you're saying is it's hard to keep jobs like that if you're always going back to jail for DUIs or for whatever other issues. It's hard to save any money or yes. anything like that, right? Right, right. Mm -hmm. I mean, he did try. He would do really well. He, ended, he had bought a place at one time. Um, but it's just I, the, the natural struggles of just adult life um, just would, would get to him. I mean, it, just, it would break him. Like he okay. just did not have the the will, the strong will to just okay. keep pushing through the hard times. Yeah. What were you? Uh, of course, uh, um, I, I guess my impression, although I, I do not know you very well, Carmen, is that uh, you haven't done some of the things that he did. So, you being the older sister, kind of being a mentor, taking care of him as a child, did you ever talk to him? about, for example, these repeated DUIs, what did he have to say about them? You know, of course, DUIs, you know, you can hurt a lot of people, you know, drinking and driving. What did he have to say about that? Have you ever spoke to him about that? Oh, yeah, all, all the time we did. Um, it was me always pushing to go to rehab. Um, I just couldn't ever connect with him or my mom regarding the drinking because I was never a drinker. I didn't like any substances. Um, I think because what I took away from our childhood is what was role modeled to me. Um, I didn't want any part of it. I had the opposite effect. I didn't want any part of it where my brother had, it was like candy for him. <coughs> and I guess, you know, like a lot of teens, um, you know, when alcohol is just readily available for you and or cigarettes or the marijuana, mm -hmm. um, you just take advantage of it and share with your friends. For me, it was, no, I didn't want any part of it. I didn't want my friends to even know about it, um, mm -hmm. that even existed in my life. Like it was, I kept all that taboo secret where my brother just, you know, he, he went with it. Not to say that was bad and any kids wouldn't, you know, let, let me steal a couple beers to go drink with my friends or this and that. He was just more drawn to that than I was. So I did talk to him a lot about it. Um, he just, he had a sadness in him that I didn't understand. Um, all, all I knew at the time, because I didn't have the tools to really understand what he was going through or even what my mom was going through. I just yeah. knew you don't need to be drinking, you need to get help, you know, um, you just need to get a job, Yeah. pay your bills, live a normal life is, is all that I knew how to help him with that. Um, now that I'm older and looking back, he needed way more. I needed 
we all needed an education of what was going on. We didn't know. We just kept pushing, pushing, pushing. But you needed counseling. You needed a whole lot more. And we have to remember something also, Carmen. It's not necessarily you have your own life. You know, you have your own life to lead. It's not like he is your son or anything. You have your own responsibilities, and he's a grown man. I mean, he's 18, 19, and he was 20 doing these things. I mean, really, what can you do? You know, you can talk yeah, to him, but, you know, it's not necessarily your responsibility. You have your own life to lead, you know, and, and your own relationships and work and education and everything else. But So you can only do so much, right? Right. That That is, yeah, that's what I, you know, normally someone would say. But when you're in the thick of it, uh, my mom and my brother for the longest time, that me taking care of them was just what I did. Mm-hmm. Even when I had kids, um, it wasn't anything unusual for my brother to call me at 2 a.m. because he needed help. Um, he had, you know, gotten drunk and gotten beat up or jumped or something, and oh he needed help. And I'm loading up my baby, and I'm going to get him. Oh um, same thing with my mom. You know, at mm. 12, a bar is calling me to come pick her up. I'm 12. Oh my. <laughs> but oh. I did. I got oh. in the vehicle, and I went and picked her up. Oh um, my. That was just the position I was put in. Yeah. Um, and... I owned it. That was like mm-hmm. my badge of honor, I guess, was taking care of them. Okay, and gotcha. I did. Um, yeah. yeah, please. Okay, thank you. Um, now, is the, on that topic, you just kind of uh, referenced it in passing there just a couple moments ago, that Donnie did live with you for a while. He actually lived under your roof uh, for a while. When was this? How did that go? Maybe you want to talk about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he did. Um, when things got really bad for him, he was um, a junior in high school. He was really drinking a lot at this point. My mom was overwhelmed. Um, she didn't know how to handle him. Because um, he's a male, young male, a lot of testosterone, um, a lot of anger towards her. Um, so I married really young. I was blessed and actually found someone who understood me. And um, so my husband and I, we took him in. My brother, um, we were just newly married. Uh, so he stayed with us for about almost two years. I was through the rest of his junior year and it, through that summer is the start of his senior year, but it just became too much for our household because um, I was parenting him more than yeah. being us being siblings yep. and me being young in my teens and him being in his teens. It just, it did not, we were just butting heads. It was just very mm-hmm. stressful. So okay. my uncle had stepped in at that time, and uh, my brother moved to New Orleans with him. And so he finished out um, some of his senior year because he did end up coming back and graduating from our hometown high school, Westmore High School. So, um, But he was there for a short amount of time, which okay. could have been good or bad. Was was that the only time uh, he ever lived with you? Uh, did he ever live with you, like in his twenties into his thirties? Uh, 
brother lived with, with us uh, on and on, on and off through his teens, through mm-hmm. um, his disappearance. Oh, he did. Okay. All right. He did, yeah. Okay, thank you. Let's move on to this. So we know a little bit about Donnie. Uh, has some struggles, alcohol struggles, uh, even to the point of DUIs, getting caught, going to jail. Of course, that's going to be tough to get a you know get any sort of sort of establishment in life. And uh, we move on to this though. Uh, he did have a health issue. Maybe this could had to do with one of uh, his drinking episodes. He lost his spleen in a car wreck. Uh, maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Yes, he um, he was actually his default was always me. Um, any emergency, he called me. Um, anytime he was in trouble, he called me. Um, my phone number was like his social security number for people. <laughs> um, so he he was actually on the way out to our house, and he was just it was one of his drunken spells um and i don't really remember exactly the particulars but he was on the way out to our house and he was speeding and hit a bump and it threw him out his truck flipped i think the witnesses had said five or six times before it ejected him out of the fat glass of the truck and they thought that at that time when they seen his body fly and hit the road that he he was dead for sure um when they ran over there to him and i believe this this is like three in the morning um all he could say was call bubba call bubba and just kept repeating my phone number that's what he called me um repeating my yeah repeating my phone number over and over again um and so they did call and then um the sheriff's department had came to the door and I immediately had thought because I'd always tried to prepare myself for when they would come knocking that it would be that um, he had died or yeah. hurt some somebody else yeah. um, but it but it uh, he didn't die they just let me know that he was in a he was in a wreck in what hospital he was at. And we went to the hospital, and at that time, the doctor said they could they performed procedures on him without any um, pain medication or anything because his blood alcohol level was so high, and he actually had um, cocaine in in his body that he wasn't feeling anything, and because of that wreck, he did lose his spleen. Oh my goodness! All right, so yeah. this what? Uh, when was this? How old was he? What year was this? If you can remember, approximately. Yeah. Um. Gosh. Um. Maybe two thousand five. All right. So there. over ten years before his disappearance. Right. Okay. And uh, as we've talked about, of course, as listeners know, uh, I have conversations, emails, uh, other phone conversations with guests before they ever appear officially and we do a recording. But of course, losing your spleen can then make you even more susceptible to getting drunk, correct? Is that what you've told me? That's what you've learned? 
Yes, absolutely. Um, the doctors were very clear about his condition. So your spleen is, um, the way it was explained was, it's your body's filter and, you know, it can do its job at filtering alcohol for a normal person. But since you don't have a spleen, the alcohol is going straight into his blood system. So where it would take maybe somebody a few beers to get to that level of intoxication for him, one beer would already put him over the limit. And then it did. It absolutely did. It hit him really hard. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, after that, of course, with anybody who's an alcoholic, you know, that was, he's had so many rock bottoms. Um, and with every one of them, we thought, this is it. This is the turning point. This is yeah. where it's going to get good. Um, and that was one of his rock bottoms. And um, he did. He, he was clean and sober for a while. It wasn't long that I was able to get him into that Team Challenge program. And that program in itself is a year. And uh, he spent another year in the program, voluntary. And then it was, I wouldn't say quite a year after that. So I, I want to say it was maybe three years in all. Um, he really was passionate. He had, he always had faith. Um, he always was a Christian. Um, to a fault. Also, um, that was one of his demons because he could never get past the sinning part in that you are forgiven for your sins. He took his sins really hard. He was really hard on himself about everything that would happen. Um, but he didn't. He went in, It was a Christian-based ministry, uh, rehab center, and he really took to that. He really took to helping. He had a gift of talking. Um, he shared his testimony. He went around everywhere um, to help youth, um, just sharing his story and his troubles and how he, you know, came back from them. And it just, it, everything was great. Um, he appeared to be doing very well, but he was really just a ticking time bomb. Okay. And we have to remember you stated in this particular crash in which his spleen eventually had to be taken out, he also wasn't just alcohol, it was cocaine as well? There was, yes. Okay. All right, maybe we'll come back to that a, a little later. Um, regarding the spleen, is uh, you know, I'm not a doctor. Uh, do you have to take any medication um, you know, to make up for what the spleen does in the body? Or is this something that... A person can live without and not notice too much of a difference. Um, they can live without it. He was supposed to take precautions and you know, taking care of himself, mm -hmm. um, but he didn't really do anything. No, there wasn't. To answer your question mm -hmm. about medications, okay. he didn't need to take anything. Okay. Um, he just needed to live a healthier lifestyle. Okay, gotcha. All right, let's move on to this. Of course, you've talked about this jail time, and we're not going to go through every uh, particular time he was in there, but how would you say, uh, you know, as we've learned here on Unfound, sometimes when mostly men go to jail, they make, you know, the wrong kind of friends who they then meet up with once they're all out of jail. 
uh, did this happen for Donnie? You know, what was he doing was it while he was in jail? Uh, how would you explain that? Did you ever go see him in jail? Did you visit him? What can you say? Um, I did go and see him um, all the time when he would be there. Um, I really don't, I'm sure that he did make friends in jail. Um, he always, when I, we did talk about it, visits, um, and we're kind of, we're somewhat of a small town, so he would know some people from, you know, high school or just whatever would be in there too. Uh, but he said, he always told me it was just best to keep your head down, um, just be quiet, don't stand out. That was the way that um, he kept to himself. Books, he loved books. Um, mm -hmm. He always did whatever he could to get out of general population, um, like your GED, even though he was a high school graduate, if you yeah. took the GED class, it gets you out um, of I guess the whatever situation you're in, maybe your cell or the, I don't really know how Joe works, but he would take any class that was available. Um, I think he through his span of going to jail, he took the GED class like four times. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, uh, but he just he he would tell me he kept to himself. Um, so I to answer your question, did he make mm -hmm. friends in there? I'm sure he did. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know him and I, we didn't have the same circle of friends. Yeah. Uh, one, our age difference, and two, our lifestyles. We just did not um, run in the same circles at all. Okay. And we have to understand this is important because my understanding is at the time of his disappearance, uh, he had uh, been out of jail for only five months. Yes. Okay. All I right. don't even think it was quite five months, but yeah. Okay, and we'll come back to that. All right, so we had a, a lot of jail time. And so now, uh, as I mentioned kind of earlier, uh, regarding uh, women in his life, uh, there is one we're going to mention. Her name is Christy. Uh, who is she? How did they meet? We'll just keep it in very general terms here. Um, how did they know each other? W was she a girlfriend? Uh, was she around his age? What can, you, what can you say about Christy? How well did you know her? Any of that? No. Okay. Um, she, Don had came. He was staying with us when he was released out of jail. And um, a few weeks of him being out, he had come in one day and said, you know, he had met someone. He was super excited about it. And uh, we talked a little bit about it. And, you know, where did you guys meet? He said mutual friends. Um, he really likes her. He thought that I would be um, very accepting of her and I'd give my approval of her. He really thought really highly of her. Uh, she had two kids. She has a good job, sis. You really like her. She's a good girl, is what he'd say. Mm -hmm. um, I was like, okay. And then I can't really remember exactly the how long the time span was before I did meet her for the first time. Um, and I didn't meet her. She did seem nice. Uh, there wasn't anything, any red flags. I didn't assume the worst of meeting someone for the first time. It made him happy. Uh, so all was good with that. Um, they were, he did call her 
his girlfriend. Um, she did reciprocate and say that was his boyfriend. Um, I don't think they were they weren't together very long before my brother disappeared. That uh, I think they had probably troubles in the beginning and later finding out. But I I had only physically met her twice while Bonnie was seeing her. Okay. How long would you say they knew each other bef uh, at the time of his disappearance? Um, I think they met in June, so a few months. Not long then. Pretty, just three Not months, long. four months, something like that maybe. Yes. Okay. Uh, once again, understanding that you have your own life. Uh, could you get any feel for how it was going after you met her? Did you have any feel for how it was going? Did Donnie ever say anything to you? Did you ever see them argue? Anything like that? I never seen them argue um, because I, you know, she had her own place. Don mm -hmm. stayed with us for a few months when after he got out of jail, and then he had um, gotten a job down south, so. That's when he had left our house, mm -hmm. and um, when he came back into town, he was staying with her uh, as their fights. I don't know of any fights other than one, which was in July, something about um, she had given him a trailer, some utility trailer, and I guess they had broken up or had some kind of fight to that mm -hmm. and she wanted the trailer back and he said no because he had given it to me and I think the sheriff's department was involved in it um, he had actually brought the trailer out to my house and parked it while he was went to his job down south and uh, I had told him that I didn't want any part of what was going on because she had called me about it asking if the trailer was there and I said yes but that's something you'll need to take up with Donnie because I don't know anything of what's going on. That's when yeah. he called me and told me the situation. I told him I wasn't getting involved um, in if it's hers, he needs to give it back. And they worked it out because the trailer ended up staying there. And then after Donnie's disappearance, a few months into it, this Christy had actually contacted me and um, wanted to bring me something it ended up being the title to the trailer she said it was the least that she could do to help out with um donnie's disappearance maybe i could sell it and you know put the money towards the reward or something okay all right and so just to be clear about something you brought up there he actually lived with you uh in months not long before he disappeared yes all right and how did that go being that now he's in his 30s and he'd just gotten out of jail. How did that go? Um, it was, in the beginning, it was really exciting to have him home um, because we had been visiting him one weekend a month, and he was in a facility that was three hours away from us. So mm. it was just nice. We were all excited to have um, Christmases and Thanksgivings together because it had been so long. Um, my kids... We're super excited to have their uncle home. So everything was good. He was adjusting um, to just kind of everything. 
the phones. I remember the kids showing him Snapchat as he had never seen that before. Huh. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. it was just that they were getting him set up on Facebook again. Um, he was just ready to reconnect with everyone um, and just, you know, start living a life of freedom. Uh, he was having some issues adjusting with, you know, um, just being able to, you know, I don't know, get out of mm-hmm. his bed and get food. And mm-hmm. um, he was enjoying going to my son's football games. Um, my daughter, my oldest daughter was graduating at that time. It was her senior year. So we had a lot of things going on and he was just overwhelmed with being a part of um, my middle daughter, her, ring ceremony for her junior year to her senior year and then my oldest daughter with her senior year um it was good it was really good until it just was it just kind of then became a lot because he just kind of started to become stagnant so he's living with you um you're saying you know maybe it was time that he moved on you'd said he'd gotten this job um I guess, outside of your area. What kind of job was it? It was something with a independent contractor who does meter reading for the utility companies. Okay. Um, it, it was a friend of his that he had known for a long time. I think they went to high school together. Um, he was running a crew and was looking for people. So the timing was perfect because... I was ready for him to get a job, you know, so yeah. it was time to start, you know, being productive. Right. And so it was perfect timing. And so he did that. He went down south. Um, we'd helped him out with the money because he needed gas and place to stay because there was an orientation and all that. And everything went great. He ended up getting the job and he was gone for, I think, three weeks. And then he came back into town and, um, Everything was going good working with them. Their their next um, hitch contract was in Tennessee. And so he had left his truck at my house because he was riding with his boss to Tennessee. And he um, that's where he had been. Okay. was in Tennessee. All right. So he's kind of um, living where the jobs were. Yes. Okay. All right, so he moves out of your place, but he doesn't necessarily, does he get his own place, like an apartment, or was it just because of the job that he couldn't do that? Well, it just, it just well, I think two factors. Um, he wasn't out very long. He just was mm-hmm. released in April. Mm-hmm. It was April 25th when I picked him up. Um, so he was with me through, you know, the end of April, May, June is when he got the job. It was like the end of June. Um, they can come back late June and in that time period is when he met Christy. So he was staying with her Okay. and, um, yeah, he was staying with Christy and he was with Christy until he went and left for Tennessee. They, he left, um, I think it was late July. No, it was in August sometime in August. Um, remember exactly. I think they left because uh, I wrote it down. Oh, okay. August 17th. He left for Tennessee. Okay. So he was in Tennessee for those couple of weeks. He came by. He left his truck 
at my house and then left out for Tennessee. And um, when I talked to him, you know, we talked over text and talked and phone calls. You know, how was it going? So it was going good. He really enjoyed it. Tennessee was beautiful. He'd send me pictures of horses and stuff that they were walking um, the power lines, checking things. Um, and then he had to come back into town to meet with his PO uh, the Monday after the, I think it was uh, after the 28th. I'll look at the calendar. Um, but he came in and picked up his truck. It was either on the 28th or the 29th. I don't remember exactly what day. Because I remember I was outside okay. that morning having my coffee before my kids went off to school. Okay. And, uh, and did you have any idea where he was headed with his truck? Yes. He said he was, he stopped and um, Christy's the one that actually brought him to the house. So okay. he had went. Uh, his boss had dropped him off at her house because um, they were dating and they were excited to see each other because uh, he had been gone for a few weeks. And then she brought him out to the house before she needed to be to work. So it, it was early. I want to say it was like 6 in the morning. And uh, he had coffee with me and said that um, he was getting his paperwork together because he needed to um, turn in his work information to his PO. Um, he needed to pay his PO fine. And um, there was something with his driver's license. I don't know if he had lost it and he needed to get another one. He just had things he needed to do. Um, so that was the plan. And so I okay. didn't, that was the last day that I had seen him physically. All right. That's the last time you saw him before he went missing. Yes. Okay. And is your your is your belief that you thought did you think he was going to be staying at Christie's during this time then? That's why he took his truck and she dropped him off to get it? Yes. Okay. All right, and just remind everybody, of course, the accepted, I guess, disappear disappearance date we're going by is approximately September second, but what date was this? Uh, he came in. It was either the, it was either August twenty eighth or 29th. I don't remember exact. It was okay. either that Tuesday or Wednesday because I knew that he he came into town. The purpose of coming into town because he needed to meet with his PO mm -hmm. um, officer on Monday, which would have been September the third. Okay. All right. So overall, given that he was living with you after you got us out of jail, he gets this job. How were you feeling about your brother Donnie at the time? in late August of 2018. How are you feeling about his uh, prospects, about his future? Really good. Everything seemed to be going really good. Um, mm -hmm. My mom's birthday is August the 8th, so we had all went out to, um, we taken her to lunch and spent the day with her. It was a really good, a really good day. It was the last day all three of us were together. Um, and then he, the job seemed to be going really good. Uh, he was super excited about it. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, you you thought that maybe the rest of 2018 was going to be a pretty good year? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, very good. Yeah. Let's move up now to the day, uh, uh, I guess we're going to call it the day of his disappearance. Not quite yet, but he contacted you uh, on the morning 
was it of September 1st or September 2nd? He wanted to come over, but you were having some sort of party. Why don't you talk about that? Okay. Um, yeah, so he he contacted me. Well, we had talked Friday. The party was... Make sure, uh, just make sure you use, we don't know what, nobody's going to know exactly what the dates are, so you're going to have to probably use dates for this. So if you say Friday was okay, September 1st, right. that will help everybody if you could. Okay. Yes, of course. Yes. So um, August the 31st was a Friday, and that was when my niece was having a pool party at my house that we had planned, and um, she had 12 friends coming. Um, so they, the girl, I picked up all the girls. I came out to the house. My brother knew that, that that party was happening. I talked to him a couple of times during that day. Um, everything was going fine with him during that day. He had asked me for um, our aunt's phone number um, and our uncle's phone number. He was just going to call them and touch base with them. And uh, that was it. It was just normal conversations. That night, he called me and asked if he could come over or could he sleep on the couch and I told him you know I reminded him about all the girls being there mm-hmm. that it wasn't a good idea and he said no problem sis I understand and I asked him what was going on he said him and Christy were in a fight and he didn't want to stay there and she didn't want him there and I said oh I'm sorry you're gonna be able to find him somewhere he's like yeah um, he didn't go to our mom's house because uh, she was living with someone at the time. She had a boyfriend, and that was new for Donnie. He didn't know if he was okay with all that because that relationship had started while he was in jail, so he didn't know the man at all. Okay. It's just, I don't know. <clears throat> yeah. So I didn't know where he was going to go. He, he said, you know, it was no problem, sis. Don't worry about it. And, you know, when he told me that, I knew he, you know, there's no reason for me to question him that he didn't have figured out. Um, he had called me again later um, that night, uh, asking if he could just come by. You know, was there any food left? He was. He had thought that maybe we had grilled and we had a bunch of food. And I told him no. I said the girls just wanted finger foods. We had, you know, fruit trays and vegetables. I said no, like home food and food, like you're thinking. He's like, oh, that's a bummer. He's like, all right, so it's no big deal. Um, and that was it that we didn't, I, you know, was entertaining the girls, didn't really think anything about it. He had, uh, texted me, um, this would have been September the 1st. Now at this point, Mm -hmm. it was, uh, I knew it. So it was like after midnight, I had seen a call from him. It woke me up and I turned my phone over and I seen it said dawn and with it being after midnight I just didn't I was tired I was exhausted from the day and and I figured it was going to be something that I couldn't help my brother with and then you know just pressuring to come stay the night or something yep I I didn't answer okay um so I set the I set the phone back down um when I woke up the next day there was um a text message on my phone from him and the timestamp was 4.45 a.m. and it said uh, call you in the morning and um, I was like okay and then there was another little chat bubble under that from timestamped 9.27 a.m. Mm. and it was just the chat bubble um, 
But I didn't think anything of it. Honestly, I think that was the first time I'd ever even seen an empty chat bubble. You know, I didn't, I didn't know what that might meant. But I called his phone and I didn't get an answer. It was just a voicemail. So I uh, left him a voicemail, you know, just to call me. Uh, the girls were all still there. I think moms were picking them up at one that day. Uh, mm-hmm. That would have been uh, September the 1st. That was a Saturday. Um, and okay. we just continued on with things. Uh, my nephew had his party um, that night, Saturday night. Um, life just kind of continues. It was Labor Day weekends. Um, the girls, my girls, had pe- had their friends coming over. We grilled. Um, I, you know, life just just went on for us. I didn't think anything about my brother not calling or not hearing from him. Um, I mean, it wasn't out of the blue. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I didn't think anything until September the 9th. Wow, full week later. Weekend. Full week later. A week later. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let me uh, just and let me let, let me oh, yeah. Let me just uh, allow allow me to ask you a couple things about that. When he when you did talk to him, you you or he texted you or called he talked to you. He wanted to come over. So he said that he and Christy were having some issues and he needed somewhere to stay. At that point, did you know where he was? Did it sound like he was driving in his truck? Any any idea on that? Um, no, I, it did sound like he was driving, mm-hmm. um, and kind of the way our conversation went, it sounded like he would, he, cause he was venting. Yeah. Um, like he, he had got his stuff from Christie's, it had a huge fight. Um, I just remember him kind of like just venting about, you know, her and her not, um, telling the truth about things and Same. he was heartbroken he felt, he felt played, um. Okay. So it was clear they had a fight. And okay. Either he was leaving or she wanted him to leave. I don't really know. Okay. Exactly. But that was what he was saying. All right. So he didn't say he was at John Smith's house. He didn't say he was in the parking lot of McDonald's, anything like that. You have no idea where he was at that point. No, I have no idea. Okay. All right. So you continue to just uh, live your life, but. Things maybe start to register to you, like you've already stated, around a week later, September 9th. So that would be a Sunday. Um, what was it that um, set off the red flags for you? For example, did Christy call you or text you saying, hey, I can't find uh, Donnie? Or was it someone else? Was it your mother? What was going on that finally kind of set this all off? Right. So my mom and I... We had talked about it, um, you know, have you heard from Don? And I was like, no. I said, I'm pretty sure he went back to Tennessee because he said, you know, he needed to get with his PO officer. And, and I know that that is a fact because later we found the money order to his PO officer for his, his fines that he has to pay once a month. Um, so I know that that was his state of mind that was his plan was to do that um and it was he was going right back to work he was leaving with his boss on monday and so when i didn't hear from him and mom didn't hear from him we Mm -hmm. we just figured you know he was on his back to work on his way back to tennessee to the job um so 
we didn't think anything of it until um, September the 9th, Donnie's girlfriend, she had texted me, and she said, have you heard from Don? And I said, no, and she said, well, do you think that that's odd? And I said, well, I mean, not really. He's supposed to be back at work. I, you know, I didn't think it was until uh, I had went ahead and called her. And so, well, I didn't think so until mm. you kind of made it so. You know, I, should I be worried? You right. know, and she's like, well, she said, well, his truck is at Rob's on 34, a body shop at 34, on Highway 34. And I, and I said, okay. I said, I did find that a little odd because the last time he went out of town, he brought his truck to my house. Um, but I didn't really think anything of it either. Um, I thought, well, you know, I don't know. Maybe he just left it at his friend's house, you know. Right. And then she started talking about how he thought that something was wrong with the brakes and something was going on. And so I was like, oh, okay, well if his truck had mechanical issues and it would make sense for it to leave it there because Rob lives right next door to a, a mechanic shop. So, you know, I don't know. It made sense. Um, so I didn't really think about it. I did when I went into town, um, I did see his truck there mm-hmm. and I pulled in and I looked at his truck and um, I seen his hard hat and his reflector vest in there and his, his boots. And I did think that that was kind of odd. Um, so I called my nephew, Zach, uh, who talked to Don a lot. We were really close. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said he had heard from him. And I told him about his truck being there. And uh, he came over and... Um, He's like, yeah, I don't know. So we, everybody at this point is calling him, texting him on, you know, every which way we can think of with no response. But my biggest thing, and I had talked to mom and my husband, like I was talking to everybody. It's like, I, I don't want to call his PO officer and cause a problem for him if he's just out of pocket. You know, I, I don't want to make things worse because him, something sinister or him being missing was the furthest thing from my mind. I, the explanation for me was he's just out of pocket. I mean, okay. I knew that he didn't want to go back to jail so he wouldn't jeopardize um, him be, himself being out. Um, he is not the type of person to just disappear, that just wasn't my brother's nature the his everything was his family i i mean he he just that's not something he would do he didn't go okay. missing for long periods of time without anybody hearing from him but for me the overwhelming thing was just not wanting to cause any problems for right. him if you know he he was just out of pocket. All right, what, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to explain to everybody. What do you mean out of pocket? What does that mean? Oh, I, so for me, I just mean um, if he's just on his way to Tennessee or in Tennessee working, and he just can't be reached by phone. That okay. was my thought at the time. And now it sounds naive, but 
I just mm-hmm. didn't want to get him in trouble. And, and the entire family was on board with that line of thinking as well. Nobody wanted to make the call um, if he was just at work. Right. You know, All right. You didn't want to cause problems for him. Stuff. You know, you don't want to get him. He might have been doing everything according to the according to the what he should be doing, and there's no reason to raise an issue with his parole officer. And then things get misconstrued, and Donnie ends up in jail again. For that's just an example. Right, because right. he was the reason why he was in jail was his fourth DUI, and the judge really wanted to make an example of him. Sure. To 15 years, and he got out uh-huh. early because of good behavior. Um, so, we, and, and if he had any infractions, he would go back, and that sentence, the remaining sentence, would be imposed. So, none of us wanted to be responsible for that, you of know, calling, so. and, it, and it, you know, it just turns up that says, you know, hey, I, I just lost my phone, or I was in Tennessee, I'm working, you know. We, nobody wanted to be responsible for that. Okay. Um, you met, uh, I, I do have to ask you about this. You've mentioned, of course, he's going to be a prominent person now. Rob, and his last name, you got this guy you mentioned. His name is Rob, but his last name is also Atkins? Yes, but his, his last name is spelled A-D-K-I-N-S. Okay. There is a different spelling. It's a different spelling, but it sounds the same. Yes. All right, just yes. so everybody... Well, my brother's last name is A-T. Right. This is A-D. All right, everybody please understand that when we when we talk about them. Names, last names sound the same, but they're spelled differently. No relation. All right. Uh, just in general, who is Rob Adkins? I'm, I don't know him personally. Um, okay. The only way that I know of him was um, my husband has an uncle around the same age in their 50s and they were friends so my my husband knew of Rob because of that factor but we never knew him all right had you ever heard Rob Adkins name before Donnie went missing no had uh, for example had Donnie ever said you know I'm gonna go over to Rob's I need to go see Rob Rob's going to work on my truck, anything like that? No. All right. So uh, in addition, though, the understanding is that it was Christy who first saw Donnie's truck at Rob's. She was the one that told you about it. Yes. All right. Did you ever, um, you know, once again, not wanting to get Donnie in trouble or anything, did you go over there? Like you said, you didn't realize this for a week. Did you go over? Did you speak to Rob? What did he have to say if you spoke to him at that time? Once again, before the police and all the other things start, did you ever have a chance to talk to him? Yeah, I did talk to Rob after I called and filed the police report. I did, after the police report. Okay, and what did Rob have to say in this one-on-one conversation? He said um, that... Yes, Donnie was staying there the weekend. He asked if he could crash there, and he said he just he remembers Donnie getting up. He couldn't give us an exact date. He didn't know if that was mm-hmm. Saturday or Sunday. He just said he remembered, you know, um, seeing Donnie getting ready, looking nice, and he he just left and went walking. That's what he said. He looked nice, uh, saying that 
uh, Donnie had on some of his nicer clothes. Right. Or instead of just t-shirt and shorts or something. Right. Okay. Um, any idea how Rob and Donnie even knew each other? Did, has anybody ever been able to communicate that to you? Because as you kind of already stated, um, Rob is maybe 20 years older than Donnie, maybe something like that. Right. Okay. Any idea yeah, how the, I, obviously I, the two didn't go to school together. So what was it? I honestly don't know. Um, okay. The, uh, the connection I could maybe speculate is maybe from jail. I know that um, now I know uh, Rob was in and out of jail for different things. Okay. But I don't know if I never looked into if they overlapped with any of the times Donnie was in jail. Very good. Um, that was be so I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know if maybe it was just maybe Donnie just met Rob because of um, he lived right next door to a mechanic shop. Mm-hmm. Um, if maybe just that was the connection, maybe you know. I, I honestly don't know. Okay. All right, and uh, should we then understand that Rob never told you how the two knew each other? No. Okay. Uh, when you spoke to Rob, did he sound concerned? Did you? Did it seem to you that he was uh, forthcoming regarding this? Uh, did he not, I mean, was he not a little weirded out that Donnie's truck's there for a week and I guess he hasn't heard from uh, Donnie either? What can you say about all of that? No, he didn't seem, he was just, from what I remember, he was just casual. Um, he just said that, you know, him and that girl were fighting. He was fighting a lot with his girlfriend. He needed a place to crash. He mm-hmm. said, uh, his stuff's still here if you want to get it. And I was like, well, wait, his stuff's here. What do you mean his stuff? Like, what stuff? And um, my brother had a, a three-drawer plastic um, dresser container, like the ones you can get from Walmart, um, that had all his clothes in there and some belongings. And uh, he had his backpack was there, and my brother's backpack was like a woman's purse to her. It had everything. It's where he kept his wallet. Um, he didn't carry his wallet in his pants. He carried it in his backpack. Everything dear to him, important to him, was in that backpack. Um, so that okay. was there. So for me, uh, that was that was a red flag for me. Okay. But I could never wrap my brain around. Okay, but just to be clear, it didn't seem that Rob was too bo- bothered that uh, Donnie had taken off in nice clothes, had not come back for a week, even though his truck is there and most of his stuff there. Rob did not seem bothered by that. He did not, no. Okay. Um, once you filed the police report, did the police go and talk to Rob? Uh, did, did it sound, does it sound to you like they he gave them the same story or what? They did give him the same. I, from what I understand, they did talk to him and they did give him the same story. Mm-hmm. Um, and they didn't really look into it that much. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't. I don't know. It's. It's a missing persons cases are just so weird as in, Tell me about especially it. if they're 
the family going, living it. I mean, you don't have any prior knowledge of mm-hmm. how, you know, what steps to take, mm-hmm. how to proceed, what, uh, you know, I, looking back now, of course, there's some things I wish we would have done differently, but, you know. I know. I'm just. A, I'm just. A, I'm just asking the question. I'm not trying to to guilt you or anything. I'm just trying to make sure we oh, uh, no, everybody no, everybody understands. You know the situation here that you're doing your best, but I think it's going to stick with people that um, Rob did not seem bothered. He seemed totally fine with the fact that Donnie walked off in nice clothes, not taking anything, leaving his truck there, and hasn't been heard from for a week. He seemed okay with that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. That's fine. Um, being that Christy was the one who originally alerted you to the truck being over at Rob's, uh, once she went over there and discovered that, of course, Donnie wasn't there, and you talked to Rob, and he's not concerned, what did Christy have to say to you um, You know about this? Did she say anything about this fight that they were having and what you know? He, the reason he was at Rob's at the first place? What did she have to say? Once again, just in those that you know, 10 days after um, Donnie went missing? Um, it was something about her ex husband Donnie said that he felt like somebody was there, um, and then they he seen them sneak out of her bedroom window, um, huh. that her ex-husband was threatening him and tampered with the brakes on his truck. Um, she was denying all of it. Um, he felt he said that there was someone in the yard. He didn't trust her, um, and she was, you know, denying all of it to to him and to me. And that is what I gather the fight was about. Okay. I don't know if there's any truth to it. Um, that was her telling me then later when I gained access to my brother's phone records and Facebook, I was able to see their conversations between Donnie and Christy mm-hmm. and it did verify that that was his concerns okay. um, and she was denying it. Okay. And we're going to get into those messages. In fact, you've uh, sent me some of those messages and we're going to talk about them in a bit. All right. So the police are involved. Uh, you know, uh, already, uh, uh, very, very unfortunately, you're already a week behind. He goes missing somewhere, I believe around September 2nd, but here it isn't until September 9th that anybody really realizes that he's missing. And the person who would seemingly, seemingly be in the best position to know that he's missing, Rob, didn't do anything. He didn't alert Christy. He didn't alert you. He didn't try to, even if he didn't have your phone number or anything, you know, it seems like he didn't do anything, right? Right. Okay, right. very good. All right, um, moving on. So we have the police involved. Any searches done uh, initially? Being that Rob said that Donnie walked off, were any, was any, or any areas around Rob's place investigated, researched, searched? searched uh from my understanding the detective kind of walked through the house um and around it and that was it they didn't really classify that as a search i don't even know if it's documented other than the detective telling me that that's what happened because i i was just adamant about donnie's um 
I wasn't worried about the truck didn't bother me so much. It was just uh, his backpack that it was there. And then later they did search the area behind Rob's place. Um, But they were classifying it as a, um, an, uh, for the cadets in the academy, mm-hmm. like a training exercise. Yep. Um, they said it really didn't have anything to do with Donnie. Um, and it was kind of like a wink, wink thing. So, um, but they didn't find anything. Um, but the, the area, that particular area is not far off um, the Washita River. And it's a flood zone so it's very marshy Uh, it's a lot of acreage um very dense um so i you know nothing they didn't find anything okay so so there were searches done and we're going to talk about the police later when they brought in backhoes and everything else but initially this is what was done and nothing, uh, of course, of Donnie's was found. Nothing. Right. And that was done September the 25th. Okay, so now we're talking like three weeks after his disappearance at this point. Mm-hmm. Okay, very good. All right, and just to, for uh, the record, go through what was left at Rob's place. You talked about this backpack, but... What were, was Donnie's wallet there? I think you told me it was. And in fact, there was money in it. Shoes are missing. What What can you say was left behind? Okay, so Donnie's truck was there. Um, like I said, his work stuff was in the truck. as in his hard hat, the safety vest, his boots. Um, the, the items that were in Rob's actual residence were that three, four plastic dresser thing with all Donnie's clothes um, there's a couple pairs of shoes and his backpack um, his backpack had the contents for his truck key wallet um, a t-shirt deodorant toothpaste a toothbrush um, I think there was a bottle of water all right, so pretty much it, most of the things that he owned were still there. Right, and in his wallet was um, the money order for the parole officer uh, in cash. I believe it was $150 in cash in the $75 money order. All right, so I guess what we can say nice about Rob is that uh, he didn't steal anything from Donnie, being that, that that cash was still in his wallet. Okay. All right. So pretty much uh, everything there, but uh, everything that he would normally take to work if he was going on location in another state or whatever were there. And that ends part one of my interview with Carmen Spillers, sister of Donnie Atkins. Please now go to part two where the interview will be concluded. We have about an hour and 15 minutes to go. Part two will also include my summation for Donnie's disappearance. And thank you for listening to this episode of Unfound.